Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts. Specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF podcast. It's Friday, March 19th. 
It's now been one year since our lives changed. One year since we closed our stores and offices, stopped traveling, and started working from home. That is, if we were privileged enough to do so. Millions of people have lost their jobs, including garment workers in the global south, but also retail and office workers throughout the fashion industry. And of course, millions of others have lost their lives, as this is first and foremost a global public health crisis. This week on the BOF podcast, we look at the year gone by. Recapping some of the most powerful ideas, observations, and insights from 88 episodes of the BOF podcast that we have published since much of the world went into lockdown in March 2020. But when Tim Blanks and I returned from Paris in early March, we didn't know any of this when we caught up for our regular end of season chit chat. Hello, Tim. Hi, Imran. We're in self isolation post fashion month. It's interesting, isn't it? We don't actually need to be in the same place any longer. Well, we spent so many. Weeks together in the back of a car. Yes, but it's it's been, to say the least, a really strange fashion month. Everyone's talking about social distancing now. You are sitting in your home, I'm sitting in my home. You know, out of the abundance of caution, but you know, we just spent the past few weeks surrounded by all these people from all over the world. I mean, I put up this Instagram post the other day when I was coming back from Paris and. Got a real reaction. Like people started sending me messages and emails, and feels like kind of touched a nerve. But you know, what do you think? Well, I, I think isn't it one of the extraordinary ironies of human beings that that in times of extreme stress they want to get together, they want to feel a sense of community, they feel that there is a sort of safety or security in numbers. And when you have something like an epidemic, of course, that's exactly what it、um, needs to thrive on. So、um, there's a sort of the human instinct versus the sort of intelligent response, I guess. I at, at this point, it's impossible to say whether there will become there will come a time in the future where people will look back and say, "What the hell was the fashion industry doing in January, February, two thousand and twenty?" Really, what what were, what were people thinking to go on having their shows and their parties and their dinners and the?、Um, but I, I actually don't think we know at this point.、Uh, it still feels to me like this is. It does feel to me like this is some kind of calm before the storm. It was only our first sign of what was to come. And as it turned out, many editors, buyers, stylists, and designers who were in Paris. Did indeed come down with the virus. Shortly after returning from the shows, the editor in chief of Ten Magazine, Sophia Neofitu Apostolou, fell ill and then found herself in a hospital room in an induced coma on a ventilator for several weeks. Tim asked Sophia if she had any sense of the moment when she first crossed paths with COVID nineteen. I honestly can't pinpoint a certain specific moment. I think. What you do retrospectively is think about the amount of bodies pressed against one another going into the show, coming out of the show. We literally have, you know, a twelve-inch space to sit in next to each other, maybe even less. Sometimes we're given such a tiny space, and the idea that we didn't really take it seriously. I think Imran said at the beginning when Armani announced that he was going to cancel his show, we were like flabbergasted, like. How can he do that? What does it mean? Is this real? We just didn't 
absorbed the danger. And that's not to say we were foolish, but we just didn't have enough information. And I think we were just foolhardy in how we, you know, approached what we were doing. So we got on the planes, we sat and had dinners together. We actually had a party in in Paris celebrating 20 years of the magazine. All of us there sweating in a room like an old school party. You know, it, it didn't occur to us. So no, we had no, I just had no idea that it would escalate. Soon, the virus was all around us. And on March 11th, the World Health Organization declared that we were in a pandemic. Here's the director general of the WHO, Dr. Tedros Adonam Gabrieses. Thank you. Thank you, Tariq. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. In the past two weeks, the number of cases of COVID-19 outside China has increased 13-fold. And the number of affected countries has tripled. There are now more than 118,000 cases in 114 countries and 4,291 people have lost their lives. Thousands more are fighting for their lives in hospitals. In the days and weeks ahead, we expect to see the number of cases, the number of deaths, and the number of affected countries climb even higher. WHO has been assessing this outbreak around the clock and we're deeply concerned both by the alarming levels of spread and severity and by the alarming levels of inaction. We have therefore made the assessment that COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. And so the world was on alert. And suddenly the whole fashion industry was shut as lockdowns spread around the fashion world from factories in India, Bangladesh and Vietnam to luxury retail in New York, Paris and Milan. The industry came to a virtual standstill. The first half of this year is uh, going to be the worst first half in the history of the luxury goods industry. Bernstein analyst Luca Solka on the impact of the emerging crisis on the global fashion industry. And by some margin, because on the one hand, we have Chinese consumers uh, being sharply down in the first quarter and probably still down in the second quarter as well. And at the same time, we have the Europeans and the Americans down quite significantly in the second quarter, starting from the month of March, so a bit of the first quarter as well. Uh, Add to that the oil price plummeting and the Middle Eastern consumers also probably going to be on the back foot. And that seems very much like a perfect storm. But caught up in this perfect storm were millions of workers who make our clothes in factories around the world. In India, the sudden lockdown led to a mass migration of hundreds of millions of daily wage laborers, including millions of garment workers, back to their villages as described to me on the BOF podcast by the noted journalist Rana Ayub. I remember on the 24th of March, at, at around exactly at 8 p.m., when, the, when Prime Minister Modi announced the lockdown, me and my brother, we, we literally ran to the supermarket 
and I saw people stocking their the baskets with mango puree and and sanitizers and avocados and 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 stuff that they require and and sourdough bread and everything else. And we come back home and we're like, oh, we are sorted for the next couple of weeks. And the next very next day, you see images of daily wage workers marching in thousands and marching about thousand to two thousand kilometers from the national capital to their hometown, bare feet, without water, without food, with children on their back. 22 people lost their lives in a span of two days just marching to their respective hometowns. I went to Dharavi, which is also where a lot of you know leather factories are based in Mumbai. And so Dharavi is Asia's largest slum where you have a lot of karigars and a lot of people who work in, in the textile industry. So there are about 1 million people in approximately one square mile of a space so I went to the Ravi with all my, you know, wearing my N95 mask and wearing my gloves and, you know, taking my hand sanitizer. And the moment I entered one of the slums, I was ashamed because I wanted to talk to them about social distancing. Now, how do you talk social distancing to people who, who about were about eight people in one room with no water, with no sanitation, with no soap? They earn about two to three dollars in a day. They do not know if in a state of lockdown, what the world needs to understand is, yes, we have a global pandemic staring at us. We have 2,500 positive cases so far. And in the next two weeks, we are literally waiting for a catastrophic situation. But what is worse in India is the food crisis, is the fact that there is no plan in place when the prime minister announces a lockdown he had no plan in place whatsoever for the poor and the underprivileged in this country. And you rightly pointed out, these are the people, whether in India or in Bangladesh, where there are thousands of migrants. These are the people who, who do the work for some of the biggest brands in the world. And these are the people right now who are at the receiving end of the pandemic as we talk. Much of the same was true in Bangladesh where Kalpona Akhtar, one of the industry's most prominent garment worker activists, talked to me about the impact of more than 4 million people impacted by lockdowns in garment factories around the country. Because in the very beginning of this lockdown, or first week of the March, the brands started cancelling the order. Whatever happened, the, every business should have a backup plan, backup plan for their employee who are working. So these workers are working for many years, making profit for these manufacturers, making profit for these brand and retailers. But now these brands are retailers cancelling the order. The manufacturer says that they don't have money, they cannot pay. Then dude, what happened to those money that you made as a profit. You should have these workers back now. I mean, this is the moment. Like now we are debating with the manufacturers, uh, you know, they wanted to pay only 60% of workers wages. This is insane. Like this is not, this will not, uh, for some cases, this will not cover workers' house rent. I mean, how could you even do that? So, you know, I mean, everyone in the supply chain need to understand that all the failures, I mean, cancellation, not getting money, everything just put in the worker's shoulder. Why it is always us? Why it is always us has to suffer? We need those payments are outstanding. So, you know, that money can be make our workers wages. And also they need to think about future. You know, uh, this pandemic will go. Anyway, it will go. 
I know there is a lot of good heart scientists are working on this to have a vaccine, you know, so it will be not least for a year. We are the people again, will make the clothes for these brand and retailers. We are the people will make beautiful Western consumers. But if you don't, you know, look at our workers now, then the future will be a difficult time. So it was becoming clear that the virus was creating more than a public health crisis. It was also creating a crisis of conscience. For fashion industry professionals working from home to keep their businesses moving, we began thinking about how the industry might change and adapt after the pandemic. The noted futurist Lee Edelcourt described it like this as she was self-isolating in Cape Town, South Africa. Maybe this virus was the amazing grace for the planet because the virus is making us do the things we knew already long time we had to do. And that we are now forced by this is a disaster, a human disaster, an economic disaster. But it's possibly the best thing which can happen for ecology. I get so many messages and emails from people echoing the same, all in their own words, different words, the same feeling of um, being off, just jumping off the carousel, just, you know, we always we were thinking about it all the time that we had to do less, that we had to travel less, that we had to spend less, that we had to take care of ourselves, that we had to take care of our, our loved ones and family and parents, and that we and we just didn't. You know, we just didn't. And now we are forced. So it's a very interesting virus. So the virus, I think, can be seen as a representation uh, of our conscience. It's almost um, a collective conscience which is at work. It brings to light what is so terribly wrong with society. And every day that becomes more clear. And it teaches us to slow down and to change our ways. And um, hopefully we will be able, after this is over, to reset society and completely make a new world uh, sort of appointment on what is what is essential, what is not. Over in Toronto, our retail columnist Doug Stevens framed the issue as a moment to find opportunities in this crisis, to reinvent the way we work as an industry in every facet of our operations. In times of significant transition, in times of significant crisis, and we can point to virtually any recession or, or any major kind of block that we've encountered in the market, what we know is that there are also times where amazing reinvention can take place. Um, you know, necessity really and truly is the mother of invention. And so I, I encourage companies in times like this, knowing that most of your competitors are going to be recoiling they're going to be slashing their budgets. They're going to be cutting their payrolls. They're going to be closing uh, you know, what they regard as non-essential stores, in essence, retreating from the market. This is truly a time where you can take advantage of that. You can use this time to reinvent how you do what you do, to bring consumers new alternatives, new value, and in the process, potentially even reinvent your own brand. So I say don't retreat from these times. Be sensible, of course. Be, be prudent. But don't let innovation stop because this could be the window of opportunity 
And I say that not in a cavalier way or in a mercenary way, but it, it simply is. It's a time where consumers are open to alternatives and your brand can be the one that brings those alternatives to them. And the award. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Award-winning actor Riz Ahmed challenged fashion industry leaders to focus on a more sustainable and conscious model for the industry. This is unsustainable. I think we were kind of driving off a cliff, you know, with our eyes closed or blindfolded. And I think now we're off the end of that cliff or this is that moment of reckoning, isn't it? There's something about this moment that's causing us to go home and reflect, causing us to think about the way we live, the way our society is organized. Because I really hope that we do kind of move forwards in in a new way. With with regards to the the fashion industry, I would really love to see some A-grade fashion brands 
come forwards and say, hey, we're not going to put out 50 seasons a year anymore. Yeah. We're yeah. just not going to do it. We're going to make less clothes. They're going to be a little bit more special. And you're going to have a different relationship to those clothes. I would just really love to see that. And um, I wonder whether this is the wake-up call. Of course, this isn't a kind of emergency from an environmental point of view. There's something about this mean, this moment that feels like a reckoning. And I would love to see that happen. I mean, the clothing that you have decided to buy, decided to put on, is produced ethically. That is a reflection of who you are. That is a reflection of your values. And I do think that we're seeing a generation of young people now coming up who are ready to kind of commit to their values in the way they dress, ready to, to, to advertise their values, you know, and, and signal their values in what they're wearing. I prefer to use the word conscious fashion. And I think if we can kind of create spaces where consumers can connect to conscious clothing, then I think we might be able to make this transition, which is a much needed transition from being from fashion conscious to conscious fashion. To talk about creating a more sustainable fashion industry, I spoke to Jochen Zeitz, a real pioneer in sustainable fashion thinking, who, as CEO of Puma, not only reimagined how the company could operate more sustainably, but also created and disseminated analytical tools for operating more responsibly at Caring, which owned Puma at the time. I asked Jochen how we can reconcile the creation of a more sustainable and responsible fashion industry with one that is still based on growth and consumption. We should move away from thinking consumption is necessarily a bad thing. We will not stop people from consuming. And as we know now with an economy that is globally tanking, you know how important it is for our sustainability as a species as well to have a strong economic growth. But how we grow and how we grow sustainably, that, that is the big question we still need to solve. So... I wouldn't just blame consumption per se. It's it's the consumption of the wrong thing or not us not being able to figure out a way how we can consume more sustainably. I think if I may just refer to the food sector and the dramatic change that we're seeing happening in the food sector, it gives you an indication of how quick how quickly um, a, a sector can actually, that is essential and fundamental to our future, uh, change itself um, because consumer patterns are actually and behaviors are actually changing and i would say we we can take clues from uh, the transformation of how we consume what we consume uh, and it's not that we eat less but if we eat more of the right thing uh, so that it's actually good for our planet what we consume rather than bad for our planet that gives it gives a bit of an indication of what other industries and sectors should do so uh, to come back to fast fashion Sporting goods, luxury, I think essentially you need to define products that you, that you develop, how you're manufacturing, what materials you're manufacturing, and actually have a clear goal in reducing your environmental impact. Growing while reducing has to be the parameter of the future. You know, we can grow, but we have to reduce our footprints overproportionately to impact that we're having through our growth. Only then will we go and get back within the planetary boundaries, which essentially is the framework the planet gives us within which we can uh, operate without and must operate without changing the overall behavior of the planet towards our lives. However, that will require, we come back to what you mentioned earlier, the environmental profit and loss or defining metrics and science-based targets that will allow us to actually standardize our approach in measurement. And I often use the example of calories you know, we've become obsessed with the amount of calories we consume every day. 
if we were able to develop environmental calories and nobody would ask the question of standardization because it is standardized and you know that product X versus Y, y uh, it consumes more calories, environmental calories than another, the consumer will make that transition for all of us very, very quickly. But that standard just does not exist yet. Then in June came the racial reckoning in the United States following the murder of George Floyd, a movement that then spread around the world. What have we learned about inclusion in the fashion industry this year? And what more is there we need to do to create a truly inclusive industry? This is Rashad Robinson, president of Color of Change, speaking at Voices 2020. I think the question that we all have to ask ourselves is what does an empathetic society look like? What does a compassionate society look like? What does our empathetic business practices look like? What do our compassionate business practices look like? If we say we are empathetic and we say we are compassionate, but we are complicit every single day in systems and structures that are harming people, are we truly empathetic? Are we truly compassionate? And so I think it's really important that we all recognize that our decisions each and every day do not exist outside of the incentive structures that keep racism alive. They are products of them. Every single day, we are making decisions in our day-to-day work that is either breaking down racism and breaking down racist structures, or we are helping to keep them up. There is no neutrality when it comes to racism. We are either benefiting and holding it up, or we are actively working to tear it down. And I think 5, 10, 15 years from now, we can all look back on this time This moment, what we did, how we stood up, what we sort of contributed to making society better. And we are going to have to ask ourselves, did we use the tools and resources at our disposal to challenge the systems and structures that put people in harm's way? Or were we complicit in holding them up? Are we willing to have uh, uncomfortable conversations and be allow ourselves to be evaluated, not simply on the metrics that we hope people will see, but on the sort of things that people might not always tell us? How are those of us who have deep levels of power willing to put ourselves before communities to be able to question whether or not we are doing all that we can do? How are we allowing ourselves to be pushed? And if you are a person in power and you're not allowing yourself to be pushed on the ways in which change can happen, you are the person in the story that you don't want to be. You are not the protagonist in the story of creating a more just world for all of us. You are not the protagonist in the story of how we make society better for all of us. But building a better society in a more inclusive fashion industry is not just a question of race. It is also about the inclusion of other people, including disabled people. This is the disability advocate and academic Sinead Burke on her reflections for the industry during the pandemic. To speak from my own point of view, I think the one thing that I really would love people to be more cognizant of is the learnings that we have had during this moment. You know, for such a long time, the disabled community has asked for greater flexibility about working from home, perhaps because office spaces are inaccessible or it's just easier to work within the spaces that they're most comfortable. There's been a lot of kind of defensiveness in relation to this approach and understanding that work can only exist within one format, within one way. What we've learned in this moment is that's just not true. We can be flexible, but what we need is the opportunity by which to do so, an opportunity that caters for the majority. And 
so much of what we're experiencing right now has really underlined all of the learnings that I've experienced about inclusivity being at the core. And I think going forward, we can't look at inclusion as something which is no longer cost effective. But actually, we need everybody to participating in in business, in the world, in society. And this is a traumatic time. People are dying, people are unwell, and it is okay to take a deep breath and a pause if that is what you need and require. But I also think this is an important time to realize that we do have power, whether that's in terms of who we vote for, the policies that we're seeing enacted around the world to ensure that there is fairness and that people are being treated and get the health care that they require and need during this time. I think we often underestimate what it is that we can do and taking this moment to have a sense of the power that we all have and with that comes a privilege is what I'm really focusing on during this era. So what might things be like in the coming months as the world begins to reopen? Will the industry seize these opportunities to change and reinvent itself for the post-pandemic world? Here's what Scott Galloway, a professor at NYU Stern, had to say. Ideally, we'll come out of this with a younger generation of people that realize that boomers have been exceptionally selfish, that hopefully we generate a generation of leaders or mature generation of leaders that realize cross-border cooperation is important, that viruses don't care about walls or borders or xenophobia, and that we decide to stand shoulder to shoulder with our brothers and sisters in Europe and just be a little bit smarter about funding government. Pandemics and pestilence have killed more people than war and violence, but we've spent $700 billion on our military and $6 billion on the CDC. I mean, it's just, I hope that it's a new generation of leaders that embrace our superpowers as a species, which is cooperation, and realize we need to reallocate capital to more efficient means. Here's Kathy Horn speaking to Tim Blanks about how people might dress and use fashion once the pandemic is behind us. I think that you're going to see this, I hope, an explosion of of self-expression. And I wonder, like, how much of it will be led by designers and how much it will be led by all these different groups of people, tribes of people, you know, someone on the internet, somebody off. I mean, I find that really interesting. I mean, the big brands will be able to sort of hog the market because of their size and their the brand association that they have. But I don't know. I really think that I think things are going to be kind of calm and quiet, I guess, is what is the answer for the short term and very loud and expressive after that. Once people start going out, go to the theater, go to a restaurant. Are you going to walk into a restaurant in New York City once the, once the really good restaurants can open, which we don't know when that is, or in London or wherever you might be, Los Angeles? You're going to want to look great. And I think going forward, you know, I, you know it's a huge industry. I think that's the thing that is bleak as it seems, it is a huge industry. And I think that this... This the recession as steep as this one is, you know. If you look at the numbers, at least on the luxury end, you know it's what six percent compounded annual growth over the last twenty years with one bad year, which was two thousand and nine. Obviously, this is going to be a bad year, but it sort of suggests that down the road, what a year from now, two, you know, who knows what it is, but it will resume its pace. That would be my guess. And I spoke to Jefferson Hack about how the constraints that we've all been living with might actually result in a kind of creative renaissance for designers who have been forced to find new ways to tell their stories. When creatives are, are, are challenged, when 
they've given restrictions, extreme restrictions, then, you know, there's a kind of rebound. And uh, there's also, it's also a, a time of heightened emotions. It's also a time of heightened sensitivity, which all, always creates a, a, a creative reaction. You know, I remember interviewing Björk and she said to me, I always write my best albums when I'm either in heartbreak or whether when I'm falling in love, but I never write my best albums when I'm just kind of like in a great relationship. It's a massive wake up call to creative people. And it's a massive energizer in some ways to, to creativity, although the restrictions are extremely limited, but um, there are, and there will be, and there will continue to be innovation and, and creative responses that will bring uh, new aesthetics, new perspectives. I mean, our artists are, are, are vital at this time because they dream the future for us. You know, they create the roadmap of how we are going to get out of here because they can provide hope in a time of hopelessness. Finding hope in a time of hopelessness is a good note to end this week's episode of the BOF podcast. But I wanted to conclude by thanking you all for joining us each week this past year. All of the feedback on social media and all of the reviews that you've left telling us how much you've enjoyed connecting with us as we've connected with some of the top experts, commentators, and activists in our community to make sense of all of the change happening around us. Putting this episode together was quite a gargantuan task, and it wouldn't have been possible without the help of Kevin Bobby Blanco in the BOF studio, who stayed up late with me this week to crawl through hours of footage to surface some of the most memorable moments and insights from the year gone by. Thanks, Kevin, and thanks to all of you. We'll see you next week. If you're not yet a BOF professional member, podcast listeners can benefit from a 25% discount on your first year of an annual membership using the code PODCASTPRO. That's podcast P-R-O. The BOF podcast is edited and produced by Venetia Van Horn Alkama, Kate Vartan, and Kevin Bobby Blanco in the BOF studio team. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.